What's good, everyone? My name is Jacob Moses, and welcome to another episode of the Not Boring Tech Writer, where in each episode, we focus on a different skill that you can learn to enhance your skill set, improve your marketability, diversify your career, and ultimately break the stereotype that technical writing is a boring career. This episode's skill, creating usability tests for your organization. Technical writers must ensure their help resources, such as documentation and video tutorials, are useful for their users. Therefore, they study language, design, and support tickets to gather all the context they need to ensure users can accomplish their task. But get this, through feedback loops such as quizzes and interviews with subject matter experts, you can create usability tests that transform the way in which you measure the effectiveness of your documentation. That's why in this episode, we have Mariana Morea on the podcast. Tech writer at Zoop Innovation and community manager of Brazil's budding tech com community, Tech Writing BR. Join us as well as Jared Doran at Knowledge Owl to discuss usability tests from a knowledge based company's perspective as well. In this episode, you'll learn everything you need to know to begin creating usability tests for your organization. Enjoy. Hey there, Mariana. How are you? Hey, I'm fine, Jacob. What about you? I'm doing well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of The Not Boring Tech Writer. How is life in Sao Paulo, Brazil? You mean now? <laughs> yeah. um, it's okay. The forecast today is good. It's not too hot and not too cold, uh, which I think it's, it's nice. <laughs> I'm glad. That's a nice feeling. I I've had the pleasure to get to know a handful of folk in the Brazilian tech com community these past few months, most recently. And I think y'all are buddies, at least per your LinkedIn feeds, but um, Mr. Breno Barreto. Mm -hmm. I know him. <laughs> over at the, the Manuscript Podcast, another fantastic tech writing podcast um, that I've really enjoyed listening to these days. He, he's a buddy of yours? Yes, it is. Actually, he's one of the managers of the Tech Writing BR community, which is the community uh, I, I'm a community manager nowadays. So yeah, we are, we're kind of colleagues. That's cool. That's cool. I know mm -hmm. later on in the episode, we'll get to talk a lot about the Brazilian tech comp community. I know you guys have a, a lot of good stuff going on that I'm excited to chat about. And then we're also here with Mr. Jared Doran out of Knowledge Owl. Jared, how are you tonight? Hello again. I'm doing very well, thanks. Although it's the morning for me, but uh, yeah. but yes, I'm doing very well. I'm very glad to be back. Yeah, we're we're scattered all over. I think 7 mm -hmm. p.m. here in Texas. Is it nine in Sao Paulo, Mariana? No, actually, now it's 7 p.m. Oh, seven all over. Oh, five here in Texas. I'm silly. My mind's all over the place. <laughs> and I'm coming to you from the future. Uh, yes. for nine o'clock, nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yes, Saturday morning. That's great. Well, Mariana, thank you again for joining us. Really excited to learn more about your career. Um, fairly new into the tech com game, but despite only being nine months in, um, already leading a great example of how tech writers can quickly ramp up their skills. And then specifically today, we'll talk a little bit about all the great skills that you've brought into your tech writing career. Um, learning a few new ones as well. Um, talk a little bit about usability tests. 
And then also the value of joining and or building a techcom community. Super excited. Um, to get us started, Mariana, I would love just to learn a little bit about you. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what got you into the techcom game? Of course. First of all, I just would like to thank you one more time for this opportunity. I followed the podcast for a while. And when you invited me, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Such an honor. <laughs> really, really. <laughs> That's very sweet, Mariana. Thank you. No, thank you. I'm really glad. Uh, well, uh, my name is Mariana. I'm a Brazilian technical writer uh, working for Zoop Innovation, which is a tech company in Brazil who's now uh, investing on open source initiatives, which is ex exactly what I work today. So I take care of our technical documentations for our open source projects. Mm. Then I started my career as a journalist. I graduated here in Sao Paulo. And as soon as I graduated, I made my, um, I made my first career shift uh, into digital marketing especially content marketing and inbound marketing, uh, which allows me to learn more about content creation for social media, for blog, SEO, and um, planning content. And literally, I made like a, a 360, you know, I, I had yeah. the opportunity to work with a little bit of everything in an agency. Uh, and I spent like the last three years, almost four, working for digital marketing agencies. I, I started in the digital marketing field and then I spent like the last three, almost four years working in this field until last year, which I was working as a social media manager in an advertising agency in Brazil. And when I realized that I, <laughs> I wasn't happy, uh, I was working with something which I was recognized as a good professional. Mm -hmm. But I, I really wasn't feeling like the type of writing and the type of creative I have was really being well used. Mm. And then I, I understood that was the moment I, I had to do another career shift and, and yeah. look for something that I, I really could be more, something that I, I really would like to work with. So that was the moment when I found out about UX writing and all these, you know, digital writing focus on products. And then I made this move, this risky move to quit my job and start working as a freelancer while I was studying about UX writing field and everything I needed to, to learn and to know more about until I start working with it. And that was the moment, actually, I had the first contact with communities because mm. in Brazil, we have a, a strong UX writing community. And with this community, I had the opportunity to join some meetups and to know people when to share experiences until I managed to do this career shift. And then I became uh, a new UX writer. Uh, we're talking about um, October of last year. So wow. it's, it's quite recent. But sure. at the same time, I was working as a UX writer. I, I received the contact of my current company, which is Zoop. Uh, on LinkedIn, inviting me to participate in their process because they were hiring uh, on a UX writer. And then we started talking and then um, <laughs> this hiring happened and I moved to Zoop. But that's the, that's the plot twist of my story because at the moment I moved to Zoop, yes, <laughs> uh, at the moment I moved to Zoop, I, and I started actually working with them 
and with the product teams, I realized that I wasn't doing any more UX writing, but I had no clue of what I was doing, actually. Jared, I feel like your story is, is comparable. Well, I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, Mariana, I'm thinking that I, I really identify with your story because uh, I also came to the sort of, uh, I'm not really in tech comms, I work, I work for a knowledge-based platform, but there's a lot of similar elements. Uh, and I, I also didn't start in that uh, arena at all. I actually, my most recent job before this was I came from doing uh, internal communications at the University of Edinburgh. So I can, I can hear you when you say, you know, you were working in communications and and uh, when you move into this uh, into this arena, it can definitely be quite daunting. Did you did you feel a bit sort of? I, I was scared to be totally honest because I did just didn't have the 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 vocabulary or the the experience. Uh, how was it for you coming into such a new a, a new arena? Well, that's funny because at the time I was you know living all these feelings. I didn't realize oh all the dimension of that, you know, because because I, when I entered at Zook, uh, we were at the moment, we are, you know, starting to launching our open source, open source products. So I, I really had no time to think about it. I, I had to learn mm -hmm. how to document and start writing the, their technical uh, documentations uh, until the launch. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I, it's, it's quite, um, how can I say, it's quite funny because only recently I started thinking about it, about how I had this courage and this nonsense maybe to start working with something, really, to start working with something I had no idea how to work with. And I managed to, to deliver these documentations and really guys, I have no idea actually. But yeah. uh, what I think that what really helped me was um, was to understand that that I was a journalist, that I, that I am a communicator, and, and that I have already some tools that I, I could manage to to adapt uh, to this new reality. Uh, there is this analogy that I really like to use. That is, in our career, we have this toolbox where we put all the hard and soft skills, and yeah. that we learn with experience and time. And with technical writing, I really tried to use all these skills while I was learning about the field. So, for example, uh, when I started the documentations, I was already a UX writer. So that allowed me to, for example, use some uh, information ar architecture strategies, strategies <laughs> to organize the documentation, to, to see the menu, if the read readability was fine with the information was really useful or well written to be understandable, uh, the taxonomy also, the user experience as all, well, and especially the empathy to work with developers because that was the first time I was really facing them. What was your experience of working with developers for the first time? Well, I had the previous experience with, with working with developers for um, software, sorry, not software development, site de website development. Right. when I was working with marketing. But mm -hmm. now it was quite different because I was literally trying to speak their language. <laughs> mm -hmm. At the first mm -hmm. time, it was quite scary. Uh, I remember that my first meetings, all the time I left them with headache because it was quite tough to, to <laughs> get used to these expressions like API or deploy, sure. build. Yeah. But... Um, I, I, nowadays I joke that I'm like their psychologist because 
I realized that some developers, <laughs> really, uh, I realized that some developers, they do want to work with technical writers, but sometimes they can maybe feel scared because they, I don't know, they, they have this belief that maybe when we are looking for their code or for everything they're documented so far, we're going to... Um, I don't know, we're going to say, ah, this is wrong. This is an absurd. And that's not the purpose. You know, when we look for some some development job, our goal is to just to make that information more accessible. Sure. It's not about to, um, how can I say this in English? It's not about to invalidate their job, their, their work so far. Yeah, it's, of course. It's just about to make this richer, you know? That's a great point, Marianne. We're all working towards the same goal. Exactly. Creating a better product. And sure, for the developer, you know, the end goal that they might be envisioning is the product or service itself. But, you know, the tech credit complements that well, where, you know, we, we focus on the documentation. Let's make sure that this great product or service that colleagues developed is usable. That if they do encounter challenges and obstacles, that there's some thorough, robust help resources to help guide them throughout whatever it was that was developed. I, I want to flash back a little bit. You said something very interesting in the beginning about you were working as a journalist, but there was a point where you felt like you weren't necessarily having you know, the best use of your writing skills. And you looked to techcom, which fascinates me because for a lot of people outside of the techcom industry, they, they think the opposite. They think that techcom is you know a, a boring use of their <laughs> writing skills. So they don't get to use that cadence and prose and all the great things that initially attract them mm -hmm. to writing. Um, why? I, I, I'm curious. Um, <laughs> I, I feel the same way. I'm sure Jared does well. Mm -hmm. um, but we, we often see the opposite. And I'm curious what attracted you to TechCom in terms of um, having to be a platform to really use your writing skills. I don't know why, maybe for some people it's destiny, maybe it's just coincidence, but I believe that all my life I was being prepared to be a technical writer. Uh, I came from a family, I'm the youngest from four brothers, actually three sisters and one brother, and I'm the youngest. And all my family <laughs> is formed by lawyers. So I was raised by lawyers and I <laughs> spent all my adolescence and childhood listening to process discussion <laughs> during dinner. So this formal language was something that I was really used to. Sure. I remember that when I was a kid, I learned some difficult words, even in Portuguese. And I mm -hmm. remember kids from, <laughs> from a school saying things like, we can't understand what you say because you speak too formal. Uh. And, <laughs> Really, really, that happened. I can so I can so identify with that because I had exactly the same thing when I was younger. I was so interested in uh, in writing uh, in, in words generally, and my when I even when I was in primary school, my uh, peers used to ask me, "Did you eat a dictionary?" Because I used to love using like new words that I'd learned. Like I read a lot, so uh, and I think at the beginning, people make you feel a little bit like you're showing off. And really, you're just showing your love of words. Um, sure. I'll never, I'll never forget that uh, when I when I worked in uh, PR, public relations, for the first time, um, 
I had to do a sort of test uh, at the beginning of my employment where they asked me to write a small amount of marketing copy for a particular uh, sort of imaginary client. And after I'd finished it, I handed it over to the person who was running it and she read it and she said, you really like words, don't you? And I said, oh yeah, I love words. She's like, we're going to drum that out of you. (laughs) <laughs> because she, she she thought that what I'd written was way too flowery, way too like prose. She was like, it needs to be sort of utilitarian, um, you know, marketing copy. It needs to be a lot uh, sort of uh, duller than this. And I remember thinking, oh no, I just, I want to, I want to love words. I want to do the best words. Um, but it, I think it's about sort of channeling that love towards a particular purpose, which I think that you've, you sound like you've done very well. Wow, that that's interesting to to see how our stories are connected somehow. It's quite, I don't know, it's quite like in, like Destiny maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we've definitely had a similar path into uh, into the same field. Totally, totally. That's really interesting. You told us some great stories about all the great skills you've acquired since you got into the tech comp field, and I just have this list written to my right on my desk and SEO, UX, content marketing, really fantastic suite of skills, uh, skills you developed. I'd love to talk about the latest one you've just started working on, and that is usability tests. And I imagine a lot of people who are familiar with TechCom, um, you know, they, of course they want their documentation to be useful. They might think about, you know, language, visuals, design elements, stuff like that. Um, but I know you're really starting to actually get your hands into usability tests for your employer. Will you tell us a little bit about what this process has been like for you for the, the short time that you've begun exploring it for Zoop? Of course. Well, in, in our case, let's say that our usability tests uh, are making baby steps, actually, because uh, I don't remember if I mentioned before, but I am the first technical writer at Zoop. And wow. after me, uh, I, yes, <laughs> thank you, thank you. And after me, uh, I had Jessica, which is my partner. But besides besides us, there are no long, there are no no technical writers. Mm-hmm. So we, it's quite challenging because we re, we really want to do lots of things. We really want to um, want to build a knowledge management culture at the company and everything related to it but yeah. we're still i'm still trying to to respect my process and my time to understand that sure. one step one step at another but uh you know talking about the usability tests we started with a form actually at soup we have these these onboard onboarding that it's like a gamification uh, where we, we we receive these new developers who are going to working with us, and we introduce them into our products. As I said, they are open source projects. Uh, we have some enterprise products, but I, I'm not related to them. I, I work especially uh, with the open source open source products. <laughs> Sorry, guys. And um, in these onboardings, we try to test how useful our documentations are. So we created some kind of challenges, which are basically some tasks uh, that we we ask them to do while they are, you know, learning about our products during this onboarding. And after their tasks, when they finished, we always ask them about the level of difficulty they had during the task. 
So mm. it was very difficult, difficult, not difficult, neither easy, very easy and or easy. And sure. we sometimes try uh, this NPS, which measures these, um, the satisfaction level. Uh, so basically, these are these two types of usability tests we tried at Soup. But the first of all, let's say it's more common because we, with this test, for example, we, uh, for example, we realized that our installation page was not so useful. So we reduced the text and we put more codes and then it become more useful. Um, let's see if I remember more examples, but in general, uh, let's say that our usability test helped us to understand how usable the documentation was and what else we could improve in our doc at, in general. So if we needed to put more words, if we needed to contextualize more, or maybe if we needed to put more code because the, it was too much explanation and less, and less API and less code. So the usability <laughs> test really help, helps us in this way. We had already the scenario where we could uh, become the experience easier. Yeah. For example, we have uh, one of our products is Beagle, which is a server-driven UI framework, and it's open source. And we had the satisfaction to realize that we uh, we were promoting a, a good doc experience because yeah. when I when we run, I don't remember if it was the second or the third onboarding, but we have this ship, this Google Sheet, where we we collect all the the answers. Because in this form, we have the multiple choice uh, questions, but we have the open questions so people can write all the impressions they had about the documentation, which is amazing mm -hmm. because we can collect some interesting insights. And I remember that uh, we received uh, a feedback from uh, a junior dev, and he said something like, I really like the doc because for me, who's just starting, uh, it was easy to understand what I had to do and everything about the product. And for me as a tech writer, that was amazing because yeah. when I started at Zoop, and as I said, uh, they haven't a technical writer uh, before me, some, dev some developers uh, had the idea that everything was too obvious. So when we started mm -hmm. documenting, we started writing the documentation, uh, I remember I was writing some explanations and they were like, no, this is too easy. This is too obvious. Every <laughs> iOS developer knows that. And I was like, yeah. so the point is, in our job, obvious, it's a danger word because there's sure. nothing that is obvious. <laughs> <Huh>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sitting here uh, smiling. I'm sitting here smiling because I have <laughs> had exactly the same thing. Like when I, when I uh, started doing sort of a peer writing uh, mm -hmm. project for, for the devs where, where I was working, um, there was a lot of attitude from those devs that was like, but th that's way too simple. Like there's no, like th they seem to have this idea that because I'm a lay person and I'm sort of trying to translate their sort of technical language that, that, that it should be written for someone of their level. And I, the, the, the challenge is in making them see that actually the ultimate, the ultimate thing you want to do is to make it simple and understandable for the lay person, because sure. then it, it caters to all <clears throat> levels of ability in this particular sort of uh, field. So um, I've definitely had some experience with ex with uh, receiving resistance to that particular process as well. Well, I guess it's quite common, huh? Yeah. And then considering where the user is coming from, Mariana, thanks to all the great work you and your team are doing with this usability test, 
I imagine they're feeling a great sense of accomplishment, you know, whether it is an experienced iOS developer or maybe someone new in the game to know that, you know, there was a tech writing team. I know it's just you and your, you and your one colleague, um, but really taking the time to understand what their struggles are, whether it's, you know, the definition of a particular term, uh, maybe where they can find, you know, an endpoint in the documentation. To know that, you know, there's a tech writer like you that actually thought through all that and want to make that documentation more effective for them. And that's just quite empowering for the user. It reminds me of my um, time as a tech writer where we used to not have any kind of feedback loop for our documentation. So we ended up having just this barrier of feedback. You know, we were putting out a lot of documentation, a lot of video tutorials, but since we didn't have any way for people to get feedback, we think we're making the best documentation in the game. Despite <laughs> once we did open up some feedback, learning that there were several ways in which we could improve. I'm curious throughout this process, specifically getting feedback from these developers, what has it taught you about the value of feedback when it comes to creating software documentation? Well, I believe that the feedback is like, um, it's the main reason where we can continue improving our job, especially in my case, where I work with open source, it's quite of <laughs> mandatory that I have to have feedbacks, especially because the community will bring these feedbacks. Sure, uh, yeah. For example, we had this um, recently, one of our products was mentioned, was mentioned in a streaming, in a code streaming. Um, I don't remember the, the guy who, who made the streaming, but one of our devs shared with him the project and he opened on live. <laughs> he opened the project and opened the documentation and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> uh, guys, literally, there were more than a thousand people online at the time he opened the documentation. And he was quite, you know, he was quite amazing because he opened and he was so comprehensible. He read the project and he read the documentation. And on live, he was like, oh, I like it that. I like this context on the on the documentation. Oh, I saw some errors of writing that maybe you can prove, but it's okay. You just had to do something and you do that or, or that to, to improve and to, and to sure. correct the, the, phrase, the phrase and the paragraphs. Uh, it's interesting because on open source culture, it's really common to have feedbacks and to have this documentation culture. Uh, while I was preparing for this, uh, for this talk, I remember about a speech from a doc advocate from Google. I don't know if you guys know her. It's Erin McKay. And she, she has this amazing job with Google because she's a developer uh, whose work is especially to advocate about good practices on documentation on open source projects. There are some data that I, I really like to bring when we're talking about documentation culture, especially in open source, because it really shows us how documentation is important when it comes to user experience in open source pro uh, products. One of them that I really like to say is this um, GitHub 2017 survey, which says that 90% of the developers who were sur uh, surveyed said that incomplete or outdated doc is a perversive problem in open source. There's wow. another data who says that lack of documentation was the top reason some developers gave for deciding against an open source project. So mm -hmm. when it comes to open source, uh, documentation is literally the best friend of the product. So there is no way when you're talking about this, this type of product, 
product and its type of project without considering doing best practices of documentation. I know that when it comes to enterprise, maybe it's not the same. Maybe there are some, like Gerard said, some resistances, but I still believe that when it comes to documentation, it's really an opportunity that companies are not looking at. It's one way to improve your user experience in, your, in this contact with the customer. I usually say in the speeches I do in some events in Brazil, that when, when you invest time in doing great tech content and great documentation, you show to your customer that you really care about them. And you're not just someone who opens, you know, customer tickets on your help center, because you really thought about the, maybe the, the doubts that he, he might have with your product and you're anticipated then in the documentation. So it's really something related also with case deflection. Mariana, you are hitting on so many important notes mm-hmm. for tech writers, both both new and existing. And listeners, if you're curious, we, we have a, a suite of existing episodes that complements all the points that Mariana just hit. Um, specifically, there's one about just-in-time documentation that we'll put a link to in the show notes. And then also, whenever Mariana was discussing about you know, the best way to approach a developer and to work with them, to help you not only create better documentation, but to help the developer feel heard and feel like they can contribute to docs as well. We have another great episode in the show notes. Um, that'll give you a good inside scoop on that as well. Mariana, I- I'm curious, you came in as Zoop's very first tech writer. Did they have existing documentation that you were tasked to you know, improve the usability of it? Or were you just having to create all new documentation from the start? Luckily, they had something when I entered, so they were already working with a documentation, but, and I think that Gerard will, will understand me, <laughs> because the documentation was really uh, too much Devi, you know? Yeah. Uh, they, they had something documented, but the documentation was like um, too technical and too formal and sometimes wasn't thinking about the reader. It's, it's when yeah. we, you know, you know, when you are working and then you have some idea and you open your note block and then, no, oh, I read something and then I, I will, I will see later. The documentation was like that. They, sure. they, mm-hmm. they developed a feature, they wrote about it, but they didn't come back to see if what they write about that, uh, that functionality was really understandable. Mm. What's written, you know, th- there wasn't this, this look, um, considering the needs uh, the needs of the customer, the client, the, the reader, the person who might be interested in use that project. Sure. So yeah, they, they had already some documentation, but it wasn't really um, customer first or user user first. Sure. Well, I hope that's empowering for listeners because many of our listeners are students people that want to get into tech comment haven't yet, mostly because they may feel intimidated by learning new technologies. But as we hear with your story, Mariana, with a background in journalism, mess with more of the content marketing game, but because you understand the end goal of the product and aren't too caught up in, you know, maybe some of the jargon or the exact terminology you're supposed to use, end up being a beneficial perspective 
for actually improving Zoop's documentation. Well, thank you. <laughs> One thing I really like to say, actually, this is not come from me. It comes, uh, by the way, uh, from Breno Barreto, from the podcast you just mentioned at the beginning. Uh, he likes to say that uh, one of our skills as technical writers is to learn how to learn and learn and learn how to share. And I mm -hmm. truly believe on that. I think I like to say that as, to, as a technical writer, I'm like, um, I, I'm like a, a puzzle player who have different pieces and I have the mission to understand which type of pieces I'm holding and how to get them together in order to build a puzzle where someone who doesn't have a clue about what I'm what I'm doing, <laughs> see this puzzle finished and see, okay, Mari, now I got it. I got it. This is the problem. <laughs> X and it makes that. Yeah. I, I really think about it because I know that's maybe that's maybe an interesting approach to say how tech writing is not boring, but I really think it our field is magical because it it's truly challenging to to put yourself in the place of the user who are going to use that product and to challenge yourself to understand many, you know, concepts and expressions that are very particular to that product or that software, but you somehow manage to write them in a way that everybody or most of people will understand. So I really believe that it's not boring. It's fascinating. Absolutely. I think part of the reason, I mean, obviously I can't speak for all developers, but part of the reason why you experience some resistance from them when you're trying to sort of translate very jargon filled uh, documentation or, or stuff that feels very high level, it, there's a sense of pride I've found that sometimes uh, these developers have where if, if you were to simplify it, it sort of makes it less impressive um, or something, or they feel sort of criticized by you coming in and trying to uh, you know, amend their content to be more user-friendly, but really it's just about accessibility. You just want it to be available to sort of the layperson or, or someone who's just coming into the company from, from the start. And uh, I think part of the work we have to do is to show that it's not a critique of their particular process or the, or the copy that's already been produced, but just a, a sort of a tweaking so that, so that it's, it's available for more people. It's a, it can be hard to get past, I think. Yeah, I, I I agree, because it's really a change of mindset. Um, I now I believe that we hopefully are facing a moment where develop developers recognize our value, especially in Brazil. Our feed mm -hmm. nowadays, um, as I said, I'm a recent technical writer, but in Brazil we are facing a moment when finally people are getting to know us as a prof as professionals and as documentation specialists. Because um, in, in this journey of get, get to knowing more about technical writing, I really met some amazing people. Technical writers who already working 10 years, five years, seven years. And most of them were really discouraged because they haven't the opportunity to meet each other and to have this space where they could, you know, share experiences and, you know, share these difficulties and challenges we have in our, in our career. And to recognize each other as, you know, technical writers, uh, for you guys to have some idea uh, in Brazil, there are some companies who use another terms to, to define a technical writer. And there are some technical writers who didn't know they were technical writers. They were working, they were working with Techcom, but they didn't realize that the term was technical writing or technical writer. 
And I now I'm happy to see that developers and other professionals in this technology ecosystem in Brazil are finally getting us a chance to show our job, to show our value, and especially um, letting us to be more and more companies. So opening, you know, job roles and making events and, and giving us the chance to, to show how technical writing can be useful in Brazilian companies. Yes, it's so important to have a tribe, no, no, yeah. no matter the field, whether you're, you know, in UX or developer, tech com, we got to feel like we have some kinfolk that, you know, share the same challenges or have the same goals for their career. I I'm curious to learn more about this uh, Brazilian tech com community. Can you tell us a little bit about it and the specific ventures that um, you've been able to participate in, in the Brazilian tech com community? Of course. Uh, our community was born really in a simple way because, as I said, I uh, at the moment I realized I was a technical writer, which was quite funny. I can tell this story later. <laughs> but, no, really. <laughs> oh, guys, really, my, my my journey was really with this plot twist because, okay, I'll tell it out. The I'll first... say you can't yeah, 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 go for it. No, no, okay, I'll say it. <laughs> Uh, the first time I heard that I was a technical writer, I was in a meeting with the CEO of the company I work with, and my ex-boss literally said, oh, that's Mari, and she's our technical writer. And I was like, mm -hmm, okay, yes, I'm the tech writer. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, I do this, but I have no idea what the, what the hell is that. <laughs> yep, that's <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah, that's me. Oh, okay, I'm the, I'm the tech writer. Okay, yeah, that's me. I can be this one. <laughs> But uh, at the moment, I realized that was I doing had a name, and this name was Technical Writer. I, as I said, I started, you know, looking for some professionals in Brazil, you know, doing some researches on LinkedIn to find these profiles. And that's the moment I met Breno Marreto and Juliana Meyer, who are the co-hosts for the, the Manuscript Podcast, which was the podcast Jacob already participated. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and when we meet each other, we started, you know, talking. Ben was a kind of mentor for me because he presented me to the Not, the Not Boring Tech Writer podcast. He presented, he showed me some blogs, some profiles on Medium, the Write the Docs community, and everything, you know, that, that already exists in our ecosystem. And then we became some kind of colleagues. And um, one day I had the idea to to organize a, an event, to to reunite us all, you know, just to talk and to get to know each other, to, to know where they were working, in which field, and their challenges, you know, to, to start this kind of tribe, as Jacob sure. said. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I, I, I sent a message to him talking about this idea, and then he said, oh, me and Juliana are, are having a similar idea. What about to get, you know, reunite this idea together, and then we... I don't know, build a community. And I was like, sure, I'm the first one. <laughs> We're a sign. <laughs> and then we started the, the community, just the, the three of us. We created a website uh, and some channels on LinkedIn and uh, in the MeetType website also. And then um, the first event happened on the July 3rd, 30. No, 30. It's a quite of success because... Uh, I remember we made our meeting on Google Meet because we were like, oh, no, uh, the limit of 100 people on Google Meet is OK because it's technical writing and people 
maybe we, we will not crowd the, the room, but that happened. After five minutes of the event, we, we, yeah, we accomplished 100 people, 100 wow. technical writers watching wow. our event. It was amazing, really. That's so good. It was amazing. It was an amazing feeling, really. I, I really felt like a movie was passing through my mind. Mm. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, it's so amazing. Because when I started, I had no idea. And then uh, now we had the opportunity to really get connected with one another around Brazil, because we have people from the, the, the South region, we're people from Rio, Sao Paulo. Uh, we also have a, a tech writer from Argentina. So now we're, me, we're maybe extending uh, our contact to, to Latin America. So it really is amazing. And we had yesterday, the, the second event, yesterday, like uh, October 22. Mm -hmm. Mariana, say there's a tech writer out there listening to this episode. They enjoy their work, they're inspired by it, but they kind of feel isolated in the job. Maybe they're like you, where there's only one or two tech writers in their organization, and, and they don't feel like they have that tribe. Um, what few words of encouragement would you have for them um, about why they should consider trying to find that community like you have found in Brazil? I think that's normal to feel lonely and to feel a little insecure, uh, especially when it comes to, to a field that it's not so common. I know that in US and maybe in other countries, in Europe and in US, it's, it's more you know popular. People talk more about tech home, but in Brazil, I know it's, we're doing our job <laughs> to get more sure. popular, but uh, when it comes to technical writing, I know it's not too popular, such as UX writing or content marketing, for example, but there is a tribe out there. So if you're hearing this and you're feeling like there is no one like me doing the same thing I'm doing, trust me, there is. Maybe this person doesn't know yet that what she's doing is technical writing, sure. but you will find this person because when I started, I really had no clue of where to, to start my researches. And then I use Google, I use LinkedIn, I use every social media I could manage to find these people. And I found them on our uh, profile on meetup. We are more than a hundred and on our WhatsApp group, we are, let, let me check. I guess we are almost 60, but, but I will check now. Uh, let me see. Uh, update, we are more than 60. Wow. So if you're hearing this and you're feeling like you won't find anyone, trust me, you will. Because luckily we're living in a place, in a place, it's great. We live in a society now that truly has this culture of, you know, network and tribes. And in, especially in technology, I, I see that this behavior is quite common to build communities, to build tribes, and to try to, to increase this, this talk, this conversation. So yeah, take a breath, <laughs> believe that you'll find these people and, and start looking because luckily you'll find, and you'll find quickly. Mariana, what a lovely message. And you were joking <laughs> earlier on in the podcast about being a psychologist for your um, developers. I kind of, I'm kind of feeling that vibe now. I'm, I'm feeling re refreshed mm -hmm. and calm. <laughs> it's a very beautiful message. It is, it is. And I hope it's very inspiring for listeners. And as Mariana said, a lot of great folk out there doing great community building in tech com. Right. And dogs. crucially, 
Brazil. And crucially, if if you're in Brazil and and you're a tech writer and you're hearing this and you're thinking it's only me, well, actually, there's a community growing in Brazil and you should go and contact them. Over a hundred folk and growing. Well, Mariana, this has been an absolute joy. Thank you for taking the time to share your experience with us, your skills. I'm inspired. I'm sure Jared is as well. If anyone wants to connect with you online, um, either personally or through um, these great community groups that you've mentioned, could you share um, a few sites that we can include in the show notes for people to, to connect with you all? Of course. Uh, on my professional uh, social media, I currently write on my LinkedIn profile. I started a job, you know, writing uh, content in Portuguese about technical writing because I noticed there was a lack of information in our language. So currently, uh, all week, I produce content about technical writing and technology as well in Portuguese on my LinkedIn profile. I also have a profile on Medium, but I, I must confess that I'm, I'm not been publishing there for a while. But you can find me there also. And yeah, this is my social media, but the community you can find on our website, which is techwriting.com.br. There you can find, for example, some articles we wrote about the field, um, who are the organizers, organizers, sorry. And also you can find more about events. And for example, if you want to be a technical writer in Brazil, we have a list of some podcasts, uh, books, and all the, the content you can study. Beautiful. Mariana, thank you. This was so much fun. Jared, you having a nice time? Yes, it was so good. And it's so interesting to find someone whose story is quite similar to my own. So it's lovely to hear a, a parallel perspective. Guys, yeah, thank you so much. I have to say thank you because I was quite nervous. I didn't say before, but this is the first time I'm recording a podcast. So I was like, oh my God, <laughs> did I manage to talk you know, slowly and comprehensible? But, but I'm really glad that I had this time with you. I, I really love it. And I hope that your listeners, Jacob, enjoy it. It's been a real pleasure for us too. Thank you, Mariana. <laughs> Talk soon, Mariana. Enjoy the nights. Talk soon with you too, guys. Actually, not the night, not the evening and maybe the morning. <laughs> okay. <Sure. I'll> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, everyone. And if you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe to the Not Boring Tech Writer on iTunes. And we'll chat soon. See ya.